What is up, my team? It is another wild Wednesday, and this is Interesting Facts with Chase from the Ridiculous Crew. So what is up, guys? Uh, welcome back. That was an awesome episode on Sunday that aired with Josh and I, so that was a, a good one. Um, we're going to be coming up soon here to you know, the grand finale of Order of the Phoenix, and you got to say, it's it's definitely flown by for us. These eight weeks that we're doing on this thing is definitely, definitely been faster than I, I would have thought. For that book, you know, that book's almost uh, 800 and something pages, and uh, man, it, it just keeps getting better and better. And I got to say, like, I definitely enjoyed uh, this book so much more than from when I was a kid, because I can fully understand uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix a lot more than from when, you know, I was in eighth grade, I think, when I when it came out. And I still remember, and it's still my favorite book from then and to this day, but just going into everything with the prophecies and, uh, you know, like we'll talk about today, you know, the Hall of Prophecies and, and the ministry and all that stuff. So I uh, hope you guys checked out... Uh, Went down to Universal, maybe scheduled a trip there so you can go type in that phone number over at the ministry uh, telephone booth. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. So I'm going to try to do that myself one day. Maybe I'll make a TikTok video on that. So TikTok on the clock, DJ Blow my speakers up tonight. Yeah, apparently like TikTok is like the thing now. Like some people have like thousands and thousands of views on tiktok but then i go on instagram and you got like a hundred followers bro so it's like yeah it's like what but uh, we're thinking about getting on that tiktok too so we'll we'll see we'll try to we've had one for a while now we just really got to start <laughs> actually using it so we're going to try to get on that but today yeah we got a lot of really good material here for you today a lot of stuff is really going to kick in uh, being relative from, you know, where uh, Hermione and Harry and Ron wound up taking the owls examinations. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. But and we got a little bit of cool information on like vampires, right? So it's pretty funny, guys, because um, we get a lot of requests for uh, us to actually review Twilight at some point. So and I'd be down for that. I'm actually a Twilight fan. So not a, no shame in saying it, man. So I've always been more of a Team Jacob, I thought, which is really funny because I'm I'm pale like uh, Edward. So, but I have started to read the um, Midnight Sun. I got that when it came out, but it's still been on my shelf because we've been so dug into this Harry Potter thing. So, I'm gonna try to dive into that, and then hopefully, maybe at some point, I can convince Jay Nelly <laughs> that uh, that we'll do the uh, the whole uh, Twilight series for you guys. That'd be pretty sick. That'd be pretty cool. I know uh, a lot of guys out there right now are like shaking their heads, <laughs> banging their head against the table. Relax, relax, relax. We got a lot of really cool stuff next year. One we'll start off on that I'm sure you'll be a fan of. So just uh, cool your cool yourself there for just a minute because I smell, I smell man flesh, man flesh. <laughs> yeah, that's a little hint for you. A little hint for you. Got him, got him. He tricks us. They went tricksy on us. They tried to take it from us. Yeah, there's a little hint for you right there. What's coming up in season two, uh, which we got a, a ways from now. So relax, relax, bro. But uh, just starting off today, right? So let's go ahead and kick it off here. So 
Let's get this Hogwarts Express rolling. So we got uh, Barufio's Brain Elixir. So if you all forgot, remember, um, this was the potion that Harry actually needed to concoct uh, for his potions exam over on the test for the owls. And uh, remember Snape, um, he actually was uh, not able to make it for exam day, which actually helped Harry out in this case. So the ingredients for the... Barufio's brain elixir is leaping toad school stools, frog brains, rune spore eggs, which are actually produced from the mouth of a rune spore. And I'll tell you what that is. In a powdered dragon claw, which we know dragon claws are used very often in potion mix, but uh, Barufio's brain elixir is a green color and it requires 12 hours to brew. And the whole idea is it's supposed to increase your brain power for a short period of time uh, so most of these students were trying to get their hands on this so to help them out during these tests but a room spear they're native to Burkina uh, Faso Africa so average length and size they're big snakes is what they are with three heads um, average length is six to seven feet they're mortal and their beast class is 4x so remember we were talking about beast classes a few weeks ago um, it is from the country, uh, from the continent of Africa, and uh, it's from Burkina Faso. Um, they're very hard to see. Uh, Burkina Faso um, Ministry and Magic, which is a location there in Africa, actually has made several forests uh, claimed unplottable. Um, that they choose are unplottable because run spores have infested the areas. So to avoid sightings um, by wizards, uh, they actually they blend in really well as far as the camouflage goes that they have. But each of their heads serves a function as well, which is very interesting. So almost like the Hydra that's in Hercules. Remember the old Disney Hercules movie? Who is the gladdest gladiator? Hercules. Or no, what was it? Who puts the glad in gladiator? Yeah, that's right. I still remember it. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but each of the heads serves as a function. So uh, the left head actually plans what to do uh, and evaluates what to do for the entire body. Um, the middle head is a dreamer, so actually even thinks of goals and actually is told to conceive visions. Um, and then the other one, the last head, uh, is actually planned to be a, a critic and evaluate as far as if this is the right choice. And uh, it's actually known as a very intellectual um, genius, really uh, magical creature, but the eggs are produced out of its mouth and it's valuable in potions such as flu powder um, and the eggs are used in flu powder mix um Burkanabi ministry of magic so it governs the magical community of borkin faso located in africa uh, they were briefly headed by joshua sincora who is the seeker for the Burkanabi national quidditch team who won the world cup uh, in 2014, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but Sankora, however, resigned two days after after taking office because he wanted to play Quidditch rather than actually govern the office. Um, it was offered by 
uh, Eddie Carmichael to get Harry and Ron through their owl, owls exam is how this potion was, is how um, those rune spore eggs were, the potion was offered is where it was. Remember, if you forgot, uh, Eddie Carmichael was offering them that potion and Hermione was like, get out of here. Like, you're not paying for that. You don't need that for your exam. And that's where that came from. Uh, Professor Toffley. Uh, so, you know, we talked about him, him a lot, Professor Tofty. He uh, was the one, remember, when Harry, his scar was burning like crazy, and he was seeing those visions of Voldemort and hearing things about Snape being tortured, and he was like, oh, no, no reason to blame yourself, son. It's just, you know, you just studied a bit too much is what happened. He was like dragging him out of the Great Hall. But um, so he was born in 1972 and worked for the Ministry of Magic from 1988 to 1989. A lot of people don't know that. He was assigned a secret mission and was l reluctant to carry it out. So what actually the secret mission was, remember we talked about the, we talked about the cursed vaults a lot on this podcast, um, that he was instructed to spy on dark wizards that were trying to locate the cursed vaults. Uh, remember, this all kind of comes together like a bridge, right? So when we were talking about Nymphadora Tonks' background and the cursed vaults, Remember how there was those dark wizards that Death Eaters were actually recruiting these kids out of this way. So his whole job from the ministry was he was really trying to find out who these Death Eaters were. The mistake he made was he actually wound up suspecting Jacob's sibling in the circle of Kana to actually be the dark wizards um, that were being recruited by the Death Eaters. Well, long story short, he realized he was wrong and he confessed. Uh, he actually quit, and he eventually was hired on at the Board of Wizard Examination Authority. So that's how he wound up where he was today. A switching spell. So a switching spell switches two objects to make them look like each other, uh, and the incantation is still actually unknown. Um, fanged geranium. So that's a blue and red flower. Flower. Uh, its leaves are green. It has fangs with sharp teeth. An ingredient, it's an ingredient that strengthens potions and is often used in Skelligro. So remember in Chamber of Secrets when Harry uh, had to get his bones regrown because Gilderoy Lockhart <laughs> uh, removed his bones because he didn't know how to actually mend them. Um, and then actually, uh, remember they said, other than a small bite from a fanged geranium, Harry felt his herbology exam went rather well. Um, and that was, you know, they have those teeth on those plants, and uh, they're often used in potions and Skelligro. As far as, so, uh, Harry, remember, he was afraid he didn't get all the Jupiter's moons right in his astronomy exam. Um, well, Jupiter's moons for you, so there's Io, noted for unique presence of volcanoes. Europa, which is noted for its ice-covered surface. Ganymede, which is noted for being the largest of all the Jupiter's moons. So you have Io, Europa, uh, Ganymede, and Callisto. Um, an Orion constellation, if you didn't know, remember, that's what uh, Harry was trying to do on the exam, was make uh, observe a, an Orion constellation. Well, an Orion is a hunter in Greek mythology. You can also, if you remember the old Men in Black movie, remember they were saying, 
the stars on Orion's belt. And he was like, well, the stars on Orion's belt, they're just these three stars here. Well, and Orion is just a hunter in Greek mythology. Uh, it's located, that constellation is actually located in the celestial equator. Um, question five on the history of magic examination was how was the statue of secrecy breached in 1749? And what measures were introduced to prevent a reoccurrence? Harry had a feeling vampires came into the story somewhere, and he missed a major importance. I actually researched this, and this is going to bring us into our main point today. So the answer is actually unclear. So there is a Reddit article that is out there that was discussing this, though. And what they actually think is this relates. Uh, you know, J.K. Rowling, she related a lot of things to things that actually can be found in mythology and ancient history, whether it's Greek mythology, you know, um, Asian um Japanese folklore or Chinese folklore, that sort of thing, Korean folklore, or you can find, you know, ancient history from England, like we were talking about uh, Morgana and Merlin last week. Um, so, and it, this is what I found here is from this article, they're debating whether or not she actually took this from something that's real. So, especially for Harry thought the feeling, he said, Harry had a feeling vampires came into the story somewhere and he missed a major importance when he was answering the question. Uh, once again, the question is, how was the statue of secrecy breached in 1749 and what measures were introduced to prevent the reoccurrence? So here's what they came up with. So actually in 1750, this is the closest thing that was mentioned by the International Statue of Secrecy in um, the International Confederation of Wizards, right? So in 1750, Clause 73 was inserted into the International Code of Wizarding Secrecy, to which wizard ministries worldwide confirm today. Each wizarding governing body will be responsible for the concealment, care, and control of magical beasts, beings and spirits dwelling into territories and, and borders. Should any such creature cause harm to or draw the notice of the Muggle community, that nation's wizarding governing body will be subject to discipline by International Confederation of Wizards. So the thought here is, is what J.K. Rowling was referring to, is that because of this, and they wanted to take everyone into these codes, if they were a magical creature or they were a magical person um, with magic in their blood, they fell under the International uh, Confederation code for whatever territory they're in no matter what they were well vampires so the part that harry was probably missing is that vampires still feel like they fall under their own code which really goes into a lot of you know vampires have really uh given that if you go by the original folklore how the venom has been in their blood and they're immortal and they've been here all these years they find themselves above the code and they don't need to fall under that code because they've been here longer because they're immortal and they've been here since pretty much, I mean, you want to think the beginning of time, right? <laughs> Funny, thinking of, like the Voltori in Twilight, right? Um, but the whole idea was it was to stop the reoccurrence of magical beasts and what is what is thought from this. Um, so they just couldn't really go everywhere. Like you can't just go wherever you want. Um, and they're thinking 
that later has something to do with the publishing of the real-world uh, treatise on the tracking and detection of vampires. So if you want to look that up, I looked it up, and it's very difficult to understand and read because, one, it's not written in English. So I actually had to go find a copy that was translated. The part he was missing has something to do with the publishing of the real-world treatise on the tracking and detection of vampires. Anton Augustine dissertation on vampires in 1749. But it says the breach in the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy in 1749 involving vampires may be inspired by the real-world work of Benedictine monk Antoine Augustine Camlet, who is famous for being among the first to record stories about vampires in Western Europe. In 1746, Hamlet suggested that vampires may actively exist, and in 1749, Hamlet published a treatise that describes how to track them down in their lairs and destroy them. If so, uh, Calmet, sorry, Calmet is his name, I kept saying Hamlet like Hamlet, Calmet, or his source, may be in the Harry Potter universe, since only wizards and witches could possibly commit such a breach. He was a monk and he wrote vampire books, described that vampires resembled corpses and priests, but explained the theory of why vampires are not in Harry Potter books. So basically guys, what this is saying, um, he was saying how, basically what Harry was missing about this question and the problem with the International uh, Confederation of Wizards with the International Statute of Secrecy here was you see how they were talking about territories, right? So territories, they were basically saying anyone that falls under the magical code that's a magical creature, a magical person that has magic in their blood falls immediately under our power. Well, uh, based on Calmet and what he was writing here, which you can look this up if you want, but the whole idea with this question is is what they think happened with the International Confederation of Wizards and the International Statute of Secrecy was they were telling everyone that was a magical creature or a magical person that they would fall under the law no matter what territory they were in. Vampires, because they've been around for years because of the immortal blood that they have, didn't feel like they would fall under that statute and shouldn't fall under it, especially if they've been here longer than the International Confederation of Wizards, so I can definitely see that. And what it's saying about Calmet, what they think actually existed in the Harry Potter folklore, is Calmet, this monk, wrote this book that was saying that the International Confederation of Wizards, International Statue of Secrecy, if they didn't abide by the law, they should track them down in layers and go kill them, and this is the way you do it with magic. So that's basically what that was saying, um, which was really should have caused a war uh, with vampires, which this is also brings up another point. It could be that for this question that's in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, that this is also why you don't... I, I think it's just because J.K. Rowling really wanted to go into another direction, like uh, Josh and I was saying, which I think is what really made the franchise great versus just falling into that classic, you know cash drop of let's just add vampires in it because we got everything else that deals with you know kind of fantasy folklore here well she didn't and i think that's a good way to explain why they went the other way but this does raise a lot of questions and plot holes if this is the case 
if this theory is correct, which I don't know if I necessarily believe this theory is correct. Um, I don't think it's all exactly there. So I would love to see like an interview with JK Rowling if she asked if someone asked her about this question or if there was ever a comment ever made or anything like that. So if there is, let us know. Leave us a comment. Drop us an email. It'd be great to know. Um, but what I definitely think is I think basically they were gonna hunt down and kill vampires if they didn't choose to stand for under their magical law of the ministry because the ministry wanted it their way or the highway and anyone that was in their territories was going to fall under their regulation and rule that had magical power um so as far as a plot hole if that was technically the case then we should be hearing a lot more articles about how there's wars with vampires um i really don't think that would happen there so uh that's kind of my argument with that point uh <laughs> like i'm surprised the voltori didn't have a didn't have a clash with the British Ministry of Magic. Like, I'm surprised that didn't happen. Uh, I am surprised with, like, these statements because you would think you would even hear more about werewolves and vampires and that sort of thing. You know, Lupin was a werewolf, so you would think you would hear more about the tribe. And then you have the clans of vampires with their territories and where they would go. So just a little bit on that, but y'all can look that up. Once again, Calmet wrote that, and that wasn't in English at all. Just see, there is a theory on that, is what I was saying. But it would have been cool, I think, to see more vampires in this series. I think it would be cool, even if they were just in passing a little bit, right? Um, you can actually see vampires in the Calamity. So that game I was talking about that's on uh, the phone that came out a couple of years ago. So, you, you know, you can actually fight vampires and that sort of thing. And they're in there. But it would have been cool to hear a little bit more about them in the Harry Potter book series. I'd say not too much because I like the way she went with it, uh, but I think it would be cool to hear a little bit more about him. But Anton uh, Augustine Calmet in 1746, when he wrote it, he published two volumes. This theory here is actually based on the second volume. Uh, and it talks about vampires that are in Hungary, Bulgaria, and um, other parts of the world there is what it talks about there. Uh, in 1751, the treatise, which is the part that this, this is the second volume, um, was published that he was talking about. In the Harry Potter folklore, it calls vampires dark magical humanoids being famed for biting people on the neck and sucking out the soul. They're usually pale and gaunt with sharp fangs and live much longer than muggles. Carmilla Sanguina died at age 196. Armillo Lestat died at age 201. Those are the only two documented vampires in the Harry Potter folklore that I've found. Um, it is unknown to this day how a killing curse will actually affect a vampire, which makes sense. Because think about it, if they were hit with a Vada Kedavra, it makes you wonder if they just keep coming at them because they're technically dead already. Because vampires are dead, so you go hit them with a killing curse, and it doesn't work. Like, it doesn't matter, because you can't kill the dead, you know. Um, uh, it does describe, so a vampire's diet is a strong aversion to garlic. They drink blood, but have other foods such as pasties, which actually are sold at Honeydukes. And Honeydukes is known for selling lollipops that taste like blood. <laughs> um, to vampires to help them get through their diet. 
Carmilla Sanguina that we were talking about, the first vampire. So she was born in 1561, died in 1757. So she was 195 to about 196. Uh, she was infamous for bathing in the blood of victims and retained her youth and beauty this way. Her name was Sanguina, and it's derived from the word bloodthirsty. Interesting stuff. Amarillo Lestat. Uh, so he was born in 1776 in the United States of America and died in 1977. So that's 200 to about 201 years old he was. He was a blonde, flamboyant American vampire. He's mentioned in A Vampire's Monologue, uh, which is uh, mentioned in Harry Potter series. The book was intended to bore readers out of their minds, and the, the reader said it made them easier to bite. So the textbook itself was really designed to help out vampires uh, to get them victims. Um, he was immortalized on a chocolate frog card, and you can actually find this. And you can get that chocolate frog card, actually. Uh, just like if you go get a chocolate frog at Universal, or I think even Starbucks has them now. Um, but... Vampires have been known to be found in Great Britain, the United States of America, Transylvania, the Black Forest, and Romania. What the Black Forest is, so the Black Forest is a heavily forested area in Germany. It was home to many magical creatures such as bow truckles and urklings. It was also home to broomstick manufacturing as well, a broomstick manufacturing company called Ellerbe and, Spod and Spudmore. A urkling is found um, native to Black Forest, and they were born in Bavaria, Germany. They're three feet, uh, native to Bavaria, Germany. They're three feet immortal, and they feed upon human children. They shoot darts and high-pitched cackles uh, of their voices, lure children in, and that's how they eat children. Their beast class is XXXX, so that's 4X, Here's a quote about it. Into darkness taking flight, whispers of wings of the night. Follow us, our lovely tune, as above the smiling moon. Diddly dee dee, diddly dee dee. Not for now, not far to go. Into the twilight, into gloom. Swing the sound of diddly doom. Follow us, lovely song. Know that we can do no wrong. Diddly dee, diddly dee, diddly dee, diddly do. And they're described as elfish, elf like so elfish magical beasts they're three feet tall like i was saying and they have pointed faces and they have an affinity for the taste of children they have uh, the high pitched cackles like i said entice the children and they use it to lure them in from their guardians so they can eat them they shoot the darts at their unsuspecting victims and they can speak the human language which helps them bring them in they get have strict control by the Germany Ministry of Magic, um, and they are—they were found first, uh, beginning in 1991. The German Ministry of Magic had greatly reduced their attacks uh, when they first became really noticeable of them. According to Newt Scamander, actually, the last known Erkling attack was on a six-year-old uh, called Brun Schmidt. Uh, the Erkling in question was killed when Smith hit it over the head with his father's collapsible cauldron. So if you really want to fight these things off, I imagine I just picture the gremlin things. Remember the movie Gremlins from back in the day? 
So someone grab a frying pan and hit these bad boys over the head and you won't have any problems. But uh, during the Calamity, uh, so remember that game I told you you can find on your phone, uh, which has the Calamity event. During the Calamity, volunteer members of the Statue of Secrecy fought against Urklings and fortresses throughout the Wizarding World that were infested upon activation of rune stones in buildings. So they would walk through these rune stones and then all of a sudden you'd find out that the Urklings were infesting the buildings and they would just appear and come down the walls, that sort of thing. Harry, Ron, and Hermione actually came across uh, Bodrian Urklings in a greenhouse at Hogwarts. Um, and Bodrian Urklings are said to actually be much worse and more violent and vicious and uh, aggressive. Uh, vampires related to Saban Sam, uh, so, so uh, sorry, Sasabon Sam. So Sasabon Sam, uh, what they do is they drink blood and are spindle-legged. They are used as mascots on the Nigerian national Quidditch team. In 2014, the Quidditch World Cup, Sasabon Sams became crazed due to the amount of blood being spilled and started to attack at will. Jamaican keeper, Kwanda Bailey's, uh, sudden unconsciousness in the middle of Jamaica versus the USA match. He was first thought to be some sort of magical artifact in the crowd, but the ICWQC duly confirmed that Bailey was suffering from an infected Sasabonsam bite that he sustained during the opening of the match. In June 2014, notices were put up at Hogwarts stating that a nurse uh, that noticed students were coming in claimed to have infected, uh, claimed that a Sasabonsam actually had bit her and some of the students and the, the uh, students that were bit that she noticed were excused from classes. The ICWQC is the International Confederation of Wizards Quidditch Committee created in 1692, an international regulatory body subject to the International Confederation of Wizards. It oversees the international Quidditch competitions, such as the World Cup. It locates suitable venues, alliances, transportation for the spectators, provides policing for games, and chooses referees. It was created when security became a risk from protesters and mass congregations of wizards and risking them being exposed to muggles. Also, the control of regulation on size of mascots, and, and there was a debate over that, at the highest levels of Quidditch. In 1995, they actually voted that the motion of restricted mascots to herbivores or creatures of smaller than a cow and nothing that breathes fire because all the damage that was occurring and people were getting injured. Um, but it was defeated by an overwhelming majority, and the Quidditch supporters still chose to be resistant uh, to any meddling as a team mascots are concerned. The committee does frown upon ceremonial burning of broomsticks by Japanese teams following a defeat of a waste of good wood. <laughs> so the Japanese teams, actually, what they would do is they would... Um, take the other team's brooms after they defeated them and then would burn them in front of them. So this is strongly discouraged. Uh, the bat bogey hex. So remember in the, in the book, 
So Jenny defeated Malfoy when they were trapped uh, by, you know, the Slytherin gang is what I'll call them. But uh, the Inquisitor squad, um, they had trapped all of them in there when Hermione and Harry went and were following Hermione's plan to run into the centaurs. And Jenny defeated Draco with a bat bogey hex. So what that is, is that's a hex that transformed the target's body into large bats that flew out of the victim's nose. Um, Aquivorous maggots. So uh, Luna said this. Aquivorous maggots, uh, said Luna excitedly. Dad said the ministry was breeding, but what they are is they're magical creatures that resemble a human brain. And remember, they found that in the ministry in the tank, and they looked like brains inside a tank. The dais and the veil. Uh, so the dais and the veil, the location, it's actually called the death chamber. Uh, it's in the Department of Min Mysteries, the British Ministry of Magic, um, Whitehall in London. So exactly where they went. The veil is an enigmatic structure located in the Department of Mysteries. It seemed to be a manifestation barrier between the living and the land of the dead. One cannot travel freely between two worlds, which is why when Harry was hearing voices and they were hearing voices from the other side, they were really hearing the dead, which Harry could hear because he's seen Cedric die and so many people die. It is a one-way trip. Unspeakables actually have studied it closely. J.K. Rowling confirmed it, that it has been there for years. Uh, J.K. Rowling said it's been there as long as the ministry itself. And that was in a quote in an interview. It is on the ninth level of the Ministry of Magic and devoted to studying death. Um, so, you know, I mean, once you go in, there's no coming back. And that's all I'll say about that. And that'll get you ready for this coming week. Um, the Crystal Bell Jar. Uh, so remember... After that, they went to the next chamber, which is the time chamber, is what I would call it. And remember, it recalled, so there was an egg that turned into a hummingbird, and then the hummingbird came back and collapsed back down into the egg. So, a crystal bell jar, what it does is it causes a living being to rapidly cycle through youth and old age. It's located in the Department of Mysteries. A piece of laboratory equipment located in the time room is what it's called. So, the time room. It's a room in the Department of Mysteries on level 9 on the Ministry of Magic. It produced dancing diamond bright lights. The bright produced egg would arose from the jar. It cracks open and a small hummingbird emerges. But as it fell on the drought, its feathers became bedraggled and damp again. And by the time it had borne back to the bottom of the jar... It had been enclosed once more in its egg, and the process would continue over and over again. And that's in the time chamber is actually what that was in the crystal bell jar. Because remember, in the Department of Mysteries, they were experimenting a lot with time turners, going all the way back to Prisoner of Azkaban, where Hermione, remember, she took the time turner to save Buckbeat. Uh, so that's what this is. It's basically like an everlasting time turner that was going on the entire time here. Um, which is a big, you know, that's a that's a really interesting thought. Um, and it's very interesting to think about the rules of time, especially if they're actually in this chamber. Like what really applies because nothing's really changing. So that gives you the idea. They're not really changing 
anything in time that can affect anything because it's all kept in one chamber as far as experimenting with that. So that's a very interesting thought. Um, if that could even be experimented with or anything like that, because, you know, there are theories out there as far as like, you know, Bob Lazar and he has all those wild theories about what he saw over in like Area 51 and, uh, you know, manipulation of gravity, they say, is what actually experiments with time, like wormholes and black holes and that sort of thing. But it's interesting to think like with it being contained, if it could ever anything like that could ever happen so that was just a thought but um but yeah so that's what that is was that's the time chamber when you're seeing that hummingbird they were using that uh basically it was a almost like a time chain uh time turner that was in that little chamber there where the hummingbird was where he was just continuing through the cycles over and over and over you would think actually just bringing this up you would really think it would actually make that hummingbird um age uh, and I mean, I guess it it was going back in the egg and being reborn. So you actually even question if it's the same hummingbird over and over, or even if that hummingbird is perceiving time the same way we're perceiving it. Um, but so then they wind up going into what's called the Hall of Prophecy right at the end, end there. Remember when Harry picks up that crystal ball? Um, that's where they are is the Hall of Prophecy. So the Hall of Prophecy is a chamber within the part, Department of Mysteries on level 9. It had shelves containing records and prophecies, and it was entered through from the time room. It was a vast cold chamber with a ceiling as tall as a cathedral. It was filled with rows upon rows of towering shelves, and the shelves had glass orbs on them. The glass orbs were prophecy records. Each had a yellow, dusty label that was affixed below. Candle brackets were set at each side of each shelf. On the candle brackets, on the candles, they had blue flames. The row of shelves directly in front of the time room was 53 and 54, and to the right of that, and so on. So the orbs glowed, but the others it said some orbs glowed, but then some others were just cold and dark and were as dim as light bulbs that were cut off. So just dark like light bulbs. So it makes you wonder if like the prophecies, if the ones that were dark and dim and were cut off, if it's because maybe those prophecies didn't come true, or maybe if it's because those prophecies, if those people were dead already, or if those prophecies weren't important at all. Because remember, when Harry grabbed his his fear, that crystal ball, his was glowing and lit. So his was actually glowing, whereas some of the other ones were dim and cut off. So either maybe that prophecy didn't come true. Maybe that prophecy doesn't exist anymore, uh, which would really cut out the whole idea of prophecies if that was the case, right? But, or maybe that prophecy wasn't important. That's something I would like to know that I tried to look up and I, I really couldn't find it. So if you all have that answer, definitely uh, shoot us an email, put us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, any of that. But uh, Harry Potter's row was on row 97. Each had the name of a person in prophecy. So remember Ron said your name is on it. And they had Harry's name right on that on that crystal ball there. Uh, some glowed white while... Some glowed white, while others were dull and dark and blown out, light, uh, blown out, like uh, blown out, 
why some were dull and dark and blown out like light bulbs. Orbs were magically protected so that the only people who could lift them were the keeper of the Hall of the Prophecy that was in there doing his job or the subjects of the individual prophecy. So this answers the reason why Harry was able to pick this thing up um, and just look at it, right? And so you're really not supposed to... It's really cursed, really. Um, but like it's set so like you're not supposed to be able to pick it up unless you're part of the prophecy or your keeper. It's actually said anyone else who attempted to inspect the orb with their own personal hands would be afflicted with instant madness, which is what happened with Bodrick Bode. So remember, we've been talking about Bodrick Bode the entire time in this book. Uh, Bodrick Bode, when he attempted to steal one of the prophecies by the Death Eaters, while under the imperious curse so that's why they had problems with that and he can never get uh that prophecy was because they're made so you are driven into instant madness unless you're the keeper of the hall of prophecy or you are the person of that individual prophecy which is why harry was able to pick it up because his name was on the prophecy so that that's why there. Uh, which is really interesting because you would have thought Death Eaters would have been smart enough to know that. They're just not going to let anyone just in and pick that shit up. Like, that's really dumb on their part that they didn't think that through. Last thing here. So we talked a little bit about Umbridge um, last episode that we had. And, you know, Filch, you know, he's known as Walder Frey. He's like, says all his foul language <laughs> when Arya's dark's there tell them tell them the north remembers <laughs> yeah um and remember he was like saying we had things my way i'd string you up by your heels and beat you he was really a sick guy really a sick guy but there's a theory right so remember i was telling you on the last interesting facts episode if you saw it or heard it right it was really it was a, a bit of a longer one that's for sure um but on the Interesting Facts episode, I told you when we were talking about Patronuses that Dolores Umbridge was always really ashamed of her family. And she had uh, she had a father and a mother. And then one was magical, one was non-magical. So the father was magical and the mother was a muggle. And then they, he, she also had a half-brother that was a squib. So the theory is is that Umbridge's half-brother that was a squib actually was Filch. <laughs> so that is the theory there, which would make a little bit of sense. I could see it happening. It's a bit of a stretch. I would think it's actually a really big bit of a stretch. But imagine that. Like, Remember how Umbridge and Filch got along so well? What if they never even knew they were related? And that was umbridge's half brother the entire time that was a squib that no one even thought about and think about it no one really even knows filch's family right like he has norris which norris people have argued is a maledictus that i was telling you but i find that that's too big of a stretch i just think she was a cat because otherwise she would have put up a lot more of a fight when she was petrified but they do say she is very intelligent and 
you know, it has been confirmed that she's not an animagus, actually, by J.K. Rowling confirmed that in an interview. So it makes me wonder, but I think that's a, I just think that's too much of a stretch. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been, I don't know, maybe she would have been petrified. Maybe she wouldn't have. It was a basculus, right? But at the same time, I think there would be more to her character if that was the case. Um, also, uh, I just find it, I think it would be pretty cool if it was that Filch was the squib that was Umbridge's half-brother, which is why they, maybe they didn't even know it, but they just got along so well because their morals were so deeply corrupt that we talked about last episode, which is why Umbridge could even conjure her own Patronus on that uh, because her morals were so screwed up down to the core that she truly believed what she was doing was pure heart and she was happy doing it, which is how she was able to conjure a cat Patronus, which is kind of like Filch. Like, maybe this is truly what he thinks because um, his morals are just really screwed up. So maybe it comes all the way down to the point of that's their family. So I could see it is possible. Like, it's a really big stretch, um, but I could see it is possible. Like, I could see how it is happening there. Well, guys... Um, once again, just wanted to thank you guys for always sticking with us. The numbers are always going up. It it means so much to us that y'all have been around with us since the beginning, all the way back in, it's been over a year now, just about a year and two months. You know, this time last year, we were crushing it on Game of Thrones. I think we're about on season six at this point, and it's wild to think that we have more Harry Potter episodes now than we do Game of Thrones, and this is our biggest arc and the most detailed we've gotten in with it because... You know, this is a franchise that we love as well. Just like, you know, I'm a Daenerys Targaryen fan. I'm just as much of a Hermione Granger fan. Uh, we're definitely going to do this justice for you guys. So, guys, uh, with that being said, um, definitely, you know, follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. You know, like I always say, um, RBROW129. You can follow Josh Nelson at his account. Uh, you can follow us at a Ridiculous Patronus on Instagram. We're on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Uh, we're going to try to get on this TikTok thing to <laughs> see how that goes. Not quite sure. I'm still kind of learning the ropes on that one still. Been trying to learn the ropes on that one for a while now, but apparently TikTok is the thing now. So we're going to try to get on that. Write us a review if you can. Uh, shout out to our host Podbean. They're always taking care of us, shouting us out. It really means a lot. Uh, well, guys, just wanted to thank you guys for all you do for us. This has been a ridiculous production. This is Interesting Facts with Chase from Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy. Signing off.